live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. The Friday edition of the Wagner Program. Wrapping up seven weeks of, of doing the program from what I call Radio City North, which is my home office. If, if you want to see a current picture of what that looks like, because I, I know people are kind of curious about how, how we operate here. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. There is a picture from not that long ago, actually earlier this morning, uh, taken. You can see my desk, and I would also encourage you to click on it because there's an Easter egg. And if you see the full picture, you'll see who really runs the show at the Wagner household. So you can check that out. It's at Jeff Wagner 620, and that's the, the current edition of what Radio City North looks like as we broadcast the program. In addition to that, as we were just talking about, of course, this is Mother's Day weekend. It is a Mother's Day like no other. As we discussed yesterday, in San Francisco, the mayor and the health department are saying, don't see your mother. Don't don't see your mother. Don't don't social distance. Just don't go see your mother. Well, I'm sorry. I, I don't I don't buy that. And for those of you who are fortunate enough to still have your moms with you, you know, what you need to do is you need to treasure that. You need to be responsible about that. But I, I think, you know, Mother's Day is a special time. And for a couple different things and reasons last night, I was taking a walk down memory lane and I had I found a photograph of myself, a really, really, really young Jeff. Um, and it was taken well, actually, it was taken a long time ago uh, next week. It was taken on, on my third birthday is when that actually is. And so there's a picture of me and, and my mom, um, who passed away about 10 years ago. But it's a picture of us. And, again, you can, you can if you click on it, there's a kind of e- couple Easter eggs. And it's the whole picture that you can see out there. But if you follow me at Jeff Wagner 620, there's the current one from this morning. And then there's one from um, a long, long time ago on, on my birthday. So you can check both of those out. We are going to be talking about Mother's Day coming up in the 2 o'clock hour before Pop Culture Corner. In addition, we are still awaiting a decision by the Wisconsin State Supreme Court on whether or not Governor Evers and his health secretary have the authority under the law to impose this safer at home order that extends indefinitely, or at least that's the argument. It could extend indefinitely. I, I I thought we would have a decision by now. I would certainly expect a decision sometime today because in the event the court decides that the governor doesn't have the authority to extend a safe at home, safer at home order indefinitely, what that means is his order is going to expire, the authority to extend an order is going to expire next week in the middle of the week, and you think you'd want to give the parties as much time as possible to try to get together and figure out, you know, okay, what's going to go in their place. So you would think that there a decision will be coming out soon. I have no doubt that what's happened is whatever decision comes out is going to be a split decision, and you're going to have some of the justices 
pieces coming down on one side and others writing heated dissents on the other side. But we are monitoring that, and we will certainly discuss it in the event that a decision comes out over the course of the next couple hours. I would not be surprised to have a decision come out today. All right. There are the economic news today is about as bad as it gets. Now, for many people, and you know who you are, the, the shelter at home, the safer at home orders is an inconvenience. Uh, maybe you're retired. So you're, you're living on a fixed income. You've got your Social Security. You've got your investments. And it's an inconvenience. You, you, you can't go out to your restaurants. You can't go to work out at the gym. It's an annoyance because, you know, you can't get your hair cut and all. It, it's an annoyance. It is an inconvenience. But it, it's not much more than that. There, for other people, though, it's, it's not an annoyance. It's not an inconvenience. It is, in certain respects, and especially as it goes on, it becomes a, more of a life-and-death sort of thing. If you have, for example, a, a business that you have invested in, worked your entire life building, and you're watching that, that investment, that business, you're watching it crumble as you know the time goes on and there's no money coming in and there's nobody patronizing your business and you're ordered to stay closed and maybe you've got employees and you've had to lay those employees off, well it's becoming it's, it's not an inconvenience, it's not an annoyance. If you're sitting there wondering oh my gosh, how am I going to you know pay the rent? How am I going to pay the mortgage when that comes due? How am I going to put food on my family's table? How am I going to send my kids off to school? If you're in that situation, it, it's it's not an annoyance at all. Similarly, if you are one of the employees who've lost their, their jobs, maybe you've worked at a place for years and years and years, and you were doing fine, and you had all these different plans, and this is their expectations, and now it, it's all uncertain. Will your business reopen? What will it look like? Well, then it's not an inconvenience. It's, it's a big deal. And then there's this third group of people for whom they, they, they do not understand what what is this pandemic concern that we talk about because if you're an essential employee you're, you're showing up at work i'm doing my show from my home office there's a pond across the street from where i live and they're um they're they're, they're putting stones in they're reinforcing the pond and there's been guys that are working there all the time and you know the people that take care of the the lawns and the condo complex i work with they're they're here on a regular basis if you're a truck driver you're you're working on a regular basis if you you work in retail you're working on a regular basis so th there's this other large group of people for whom that this this shutdown doesn't make doesn't apply because well you know they're they're essential workers as we define it so they're they're going to work on a daily basis all of which leads up to the people that are impacted the new numbers that are out today the april unemployment rate rose to a record 14.7 percent all right, um, April's jobless rate eclipsed the previous record of 10.8%. And you've got to go all the way back to 1948 to find that. It also approaches the, the rate that economists estimate was hit during the Great Depression. 20.5 million people dropped off payrolls um, as a in the course of the coronavirus pandemic. 
20 plus million. In Wisconsin, you've got several hundred thousand people who are now seeking unemployment. And now there's a concern that, hey, by the time the fall rolls around, if those people haven't gotten their jobs back, the unemployment compensation fund might be broke. So, I mean, this is, this is huge. It's not all because of the government closures, although that is certainly a factor. Some of it is the fact that people just, you know, don't don't have any sort of certainty as to what they want to do. They, you know, they're not flying on airplanes, even though airplanes are flying. But it is a huge, huge deal as a result of this. So there is a survey came out today that kind of caught my attention. And part of it is probably, you know, how you ask the question. But here's, here's what the survey asked. The headline is, Americans more worried about reopening too quickly than not opening quickly enough. New survey shows the majority of Americans are more worried about social distancing measures being loosened too quickly than are worried about the country not reopening quickly enough. Nearly three out of four Americans, 71%, say they are more concerned by the government lifting social distancing restrictions too quickly, according to a survey from the Democracy Fund and the UCLA Nationscape Project. Um, That's more than double the 29% who say they are worried restrictions are not being lifted quickly enough. Now, that question is sort of misleading because when you say lifting social distancing restrictions, that means different things to different people. Does that mean you tell people to stop washing your hands and and just let everybody pile in and and put 40,000 people in a stadium? Or does it mean let's start allowing businesses to reopen? So it's a very, very vague term, and I think people define that differently. But I want to tee this up and discuss it. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you more worried that government is going to start allowing businesses to reopen, or are you more worried that we're not allowing businesses to reopen? You know, are we by opening up by opening up the state? Let's just talk about the state. Are you worried that oh my gosh we're going to do this too quickly and we're going to have all these problems, or are you worried that hey if we don't get this thing open, you know, do you understand what the problems are going on now and what people are going to experience? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you were asked this question, I guess, are you worried that we're going to reopen too quickly, or are you more worried that we're not going to reopen quickly enough? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, I, I am legitimately curious. Are you more worried that we're going to reopen the state, the city, the country too quickly, or are you worried that we're not reopening it quickly enough uh, before we go to the calls? I'm more con- Jeff, I'm more concerned that we are not opening quickly enough. The thing has devastated many times more people financially than it has physically, in my opinion. Jeff, I'm worried. Cases are going up in Wisconsin, not down. May 1st saw the highest number of new cases. May 6th, the second highest. We need to open slowly with plans and procedures in place. Well, it, that, 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 by the way, is true, but we're testing more. And, and actually, if you look at the numbers in Wisconsin, they are confined largely to the 
uh, meatpacking plants out of Brown County and Milwaukee, and to a lesser extent, Racine and Kenosha. Um, Jeff, of course we are worried about opening too quickly. We can't do this a second time. Uh, Jeff, uh, I am more worried about not opening up businesses. Some businesses will not survive a longer closure. Um, Jeff, if you lost your job and you worked in a bar and restaurant, the business might come back, so you need to get a different job. Lots of essential jobs out there. Huh. So in other words, if your business closes, don't worry about it. You know, you'll, you'll be able to find something else. Let's start with Ray in Illinois. Ray, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Um, My thoughts are, if I were asked this question, I'm more worried that we're not opening up quickly enough. Listen, we have had two months, and I think we've learned a lot about this virus. We've learned how it spreads. We've learned the kinds of things that it spreads. I am not saying let's just open the doors wide and put 40,000 in Miller Park, as you often say. Mm -hmm. I think we need to be smart about it, and I think we can be smart about it. Case in point, the election up in Wisconsin and here in Illinois, too, we had in-person voting and we didn't have a big rash of cases. Um, I I think we need to start opening up with, you know, plans in place, do it smartly with the social distancing and wearing face masks and all that. But we do need to start opening businesses because, uh, I mean, my hair is looking terrible and (laughs) all that. But but, but again, that... that yeah, no, th- thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And I mean, look, and look, the, the, the hair, right, that, that's, that's, okay, from the perspective of those of us who desperately want to get a haircut, it, it's an inconvenience. But that's interesting because from the perspective of the, the people that work as barbers or, you know, hairdressers or run the hair salons, and it, it, it's, it, it's not an inconvenience. It's a, hey, we haven't had any money coming in for the last two months. And, you know, we've got mortgage payments and we've got families to support. And how much longer can this end up being sustainable? So really, that, that's kind of the balancing that's out there. You do raise an interesting point. And this is something, it's been interesting because the, the, the people, who are, are who who predicted oh there's going to be all these deaths and there's going to be all this devastation from having the election who've been proven wrong it's just they refuse to let that go matter of fact jocelyn elders who's the former surgeon general very liberal woman out of uh, who was a surgeon general in clinton she's apparently been hired by one of these liberal groups to analyze the election data with an eye towards let, let's let's talk about what risk we put people in when the truth is as a general rule, we had this election, we had all these people, we put in all the social distancing things, people weren't standing close to each other, and you know what? There, there weren't large numbers of people who ended up getting sick. There weren't large numbers of people who died, which to me indicates that maybe there is a way that you can, can do this and do it sooner rather than later. Steve in Brookfield. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, hey, Jeff. Yeah, I think you definitely can do it sooner than later. But I think the one thing that's, that it, it, it all stems down to, hey, I don't need to wear that face mask. I don't want to wear that face mask. I think if people would just, you know, collectively say, hey, we're going to do this safely. Everybody's got to wear face masks if you go out in public. And if you don't want to wear a face mask, then fine, you sit home. But I think you definitely can open stuff up. But it's got to be face masks in public the social distancing, because this is not going away anytime soon. I mean, what, we lost more Americans last month, the entire Vietnam War. The death rate in Michigan is just under 10%. So that was going to be be my question. How long 
do you think let, let's let's talk with your, your your face mask thing if you're going to go out in public you you got to wear the face mask how long would you put that into effect a year two years well i mean a month well, two well months? even look at the lockdown yeah i mean look at the lockdown the last caller said it's been two months it hasn't been two months it's been six weeks that gives you an idea for americans patients People in, in Spain were locked in their homes, couldn't even exercise for six weeks. China it was two months. Italy it's been over two months. So okay. there's no schedule so how, with the virus. All right. Well, okay. All right. Thanks for the call. Well, I mean, again, the, the reality uh, is, and, and you're, you're exactly right, I mean, the virus is going to be with us. See, this, this is I, I, one of the things that I, I wrestle with is why do people, why do we think that things are going to be different Three months from now, or six months from now, than than they are are now, as far as the the virus. Because until you get again a therapeutic, or until you get a vaccine, both of which are are a long way off, unfortunately, you're going to have people that that continue to get sick. So I mean, I guess that's that that's the question for people who say, okay, well let, let's let's let it shut down, let's let's keep everything shut down for another month or two months. I, I don't know why we, we think that that's necessarily going to be any different. I mean, as I've talked about before, you know, when we went into this, we we talked about flattening the curve, that is limiting, making sure that so many people didn't get sick that you didn't overwhelm the hospital system. And thankfully, we've done a great job of that. I mean, there's there there's the hospitalizations are are steady. What you see is, yes, you see people getting sick, but in general, you're, you're not having the hospitals that are overwhelmed by this. And unfortunately, I think it's going to be something we're going to have to live with for a while and learn how to live with that. So that's why I think some of the social distancing rules are in place, and they're going to be in place for the foreseeable future. But for some people out there who say, well, we, we, we can't allow Larry's Luggage Store to, to reopen to foot traffic and customers, or we can't allow like the barbershops and the hair salons to reopen to, until we get rid of coronavirus, well, coronavirus is going to be here for a long, long time. Um, so can we really move from managing the let's flatten the curve to let, let's, let's eliminate the, the virus? Because th- if that's the case... We're going to be shutting down this community and this state and this country for a long, long time. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back. So glad to have you with us. One of the things I try to do on this program is offer some perspective. And sometimes I know people say, oh, you know, this is you have no empathy. Don't you understand that people are getting sick and people are are, are dying? And and that's that's not true. I understand that people get sick and I understand that people are dying. And that is that is terrible. At the same time, I, I think with some of the relentless coverage and the attention uh, that's been given to COVID-19, sometimes we lose a little bit of, of perspective. And then you see the stories. And, of course, this is fueled by a media desire to, I, I, again, paint, I think, the worst-case scenario. So, I mean, I was watching, you know, one of the news shows this morning, and it's like, oh, the, the employment numbers are out, and these are the worst since the Great Depression, and they're really awful. And then you've got, the, you know, COVID-19, the number of cases going up in all these different areas, and this is awful. And it's like, okay, that you almost get the sense that, that the world is kind of ending, and you don't get the, this perspective. You know, if I, and I was going to do this as a phone-in segment, but I, I don't think so. If I were to ask you January to April, 
what is the leading cause? If you look at the number of people who died in the United States during that period of time, what would be the leading cause of death? And my guess is three-quarters of the calls I would have gotten would have been people saying, well, of course, it's, it's coronavirus. It, it's, it's COVID-19. That, that, that's it. And if you would have said that, you, you, would, have, you would have been wrong. Um, you know, I mean, the, the estimates are, for example, and I'm, I'm looking at something from the National Center for Health Statistics for January through April. And the, the numbers are that, you know, there, there's been about a million people that have passed away in the United States um, during that period of time. About 75,000 deaths are attributable to coronavirus. All right. 230,000 attributable to heart disease. 200,000 cancer deaths. 75,000 for COVID-19, 61,000 for chronic lower respiratory disease, 55,000 accidents, 52,000 strokes. And, and I bring this up not to minimize, of course, the effect of, of COVID-19 and the need, of course, to concentrate our efforts in dealing with COVID-19 among those populations that are the most vulnerable. But it is important to recognize that th- this isn't the only thing that, that's out there that is causing you know, problems, and, and you've got, like, the chronic heart disease, you've got all these other things. So sometimes I, I think we need a little bit of, of perspective on this. In Wisconsin, um, so far, 374 COVID-19 deaths, which is a, an alarmingly large number, and you want to try to reduce it as best you can. To give people perspective, for all of last year, now, again, it's all of last year, in Wisconsin, 576 highway deaths. So, I mean... Unfortunately, you have these tragic things that, that happen, and I think it's important, again, to have some perspective that is there. If you look at the COVID-19 situation, what you find, and, and I think everybody, regardless of whether or not you want to reopen the state fully tomorrow or whether you want to keep us batting down for two years, I think everybody acknowledges that COVID-19, the coronavirus affects different people differently. As a general rule, the older you are, the more vulnerable you are to a bad outcome. If you're over 60 and you get it, the odds are greater that you're going to have a bad outcome than if you're 40 and you get it, as a general rule. If you're 70 and older, it's worse. If you're 80 and older, it's worse. If if you have other pre-existing situations, hypertension, high blood pressure, that is, or if you are obese, or if you have uncontrolled type tube diabetes, it's it's a worse scenario. And then you couple, okay, somebody who's 80 years old, who's got hypertension, who's got diabetes, who's overweight, and and you get this just toxic cocktail of of risk that that is out there. So what you want to do, it seems to me, is moving forward, we want to recognize that we've got to concentrate our efforts in trying to protect those of us who are most vulnerable. You know, interestingly, when you look at the huge um, number, the ex- one of the explosions, of course, in Wisconsin with COVID-19 was, was at the meatpacking plants up in Green Bay and to a lesser extent in Milwaukee County and Racine and Kenosha County. But, but clearly at some of these plants, the whole idea of separating the workers and keeping the disease out, they weren't doing a very good job, and they got to figure out how to get better. But interestingly enough, 
even with those outbreaks that you've had of coronavirus, you haven't seen a huge spike in the number of hospitalizations or a spike in the number of deaths, which isn't to say that there haven't been hospitalizations, that people haven't died. My guess is that the reason for that is because the people that tended to perhaps get sick in the meatpacking plants tended to be younger and, and healthier. So nobody wants to get sick, but as far as that ultimate outcome, the need to be hospitalized or the, the passing away, that's not as dramatic as if somebody who's 80-some years old you know, gets it in a nursing home. And so maybe that's one of the things moving forward as we figure out how to live with coronavirus, because we're going to have to figure that out, because coronavirus is going to be with us for a while until they find the cure or the vaccine or whatever. It's where do we concentrate our efforts, and how do we keep those who are most vulnerable among us from, from getting sick? Which brings me to what I want to discuss with you next. The I'll tell you, yesterday afternoon, I, I had to run a couple errands. And so I had to go to the post office and, and get some stamps. So I went to the post office, and I had to stop by a, a pharmacy, not to pick up prescriptions, but I needed a birthday card for somebody I know whose birthday is coming up. So I had to pick up the birthday card, and then I went through the drive through window at the bank, and then I went to the gas station, and then I ended up getting home. But when I went to, for example, the post office, and I went to the pharmacy-slash-convenience store, I went in. Um, I, I was struck by the fact that I think when I went into the pharmacy slash convenience store, I would say two thirds of the people were wearing masks. You know, there's no mandatory mask order, but I'd say two thirds of the people were were wearing masks in there. I noticed both in the post office and in the uh, in the pharmacy, the convenience store, that people were consciously you know, staying staying away from each other. I mean, they had at the checkout lines, they had the little X's on, on the ground. But, you know, people people were, were staying clear. I mean, I think that the message was, and I saw people, okay, like I'm, I'm in the card aisle, and I'm looking for a card, and I, I see a couple people at the other end of the aisle, and I, I made the intentional decision that, hey, I'm, I'm not going to kind of push past them. I'm going to wait till they leave, or I'm going to go around the other side. I, I think most of us, are getting smarter about the need to keep some sort of, of separation. And, you know, we don't necessarily need a, need a government order telling us that. We're, we're, we recognize that, hey, you know, given the fact that none of us want to get sick and that none of us want to get anybody else sick, you, you've got to maintain those distances. And I saw a lot of people doing it voluntarily. Like I say, where I was at the CVS, it was a CVS store, they were, you know, people, I'd say two-thirds, maybe three-quarters of the people, you know, had masks on. It wasn't that there was a rule that you had to. It was just people were were doing that in an effort to protect other people and to protect themselves, which kind of indicated to me that that maybe we get this and, and maybe we can do this and maybe we can gather together responsibly, maintaining appropriate hygiene, maintaining the social distancing. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My best indication that we can do this, again, goes back to the election. I was listening to all these reports. Oh, my gosh, if you have this election, you know, all these people are going to get sick and all these people are going to die. And, and that just that didn't happen. I mean, the, the numbers are out. I think they've been looking for all the numbers they can find. And the numbers are, well, there's like 60-some people statewide who voted in the election 
who who ended up getting COVID-19. But we can't prove that that was because they went out to vote in the election. It could have been from a number of other contacts that they had ended up having. So, But, but even then, it, it's 60. It's 60-some. And you, you don't have people tracing deaths to this. All right, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Can we trust people to socially distance, to separate themselves, to, if it's appropriate, you know, to wear the masks. Can we be trusted to take care of ourselves knowing what we know now? Or do we need the government to put orders in place? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Because I'll tell you, I, I mean, I'm in these places that are open for business. All right, so everywhere I went yesterday, open for business. And I'm watching people engage in what I thought was incredibly responsible behavior. They were, in fact, socially distancing. They were keeping away. They were doing the right thing. Can we trust people to do the right thing moving forward? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There are heroes among us who run towards danger rather than away from it. We call them first responders. WTMJ is partnering with Waterstone Bank, General Communications, and the Packing House to honor police officers, firefighters, health care providers, and countless others who work every day to protect our families and loved ones. If you know of a first responder who deserves recognition for their duties, go to WTMJ.com. You only have until 5 o'clock today. Today's the cutoff for the nominations. It's Steve Scafidi's salute to service on WTMJ. Howie in Whitewater. Howie, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? I am well, thank you. Can we trust people to do the right thing? No. No. I just left the Woodman's in Waukesha, and I was totally blown away that probably half the people in the store, and there were a lot of them, have no clue on how to read signs. All the aisles are marked with arrows. They want all the traffic going in one direction. And it's just amazing on how many people don't even see the signs or even see the arrows. They're walking both directions in every aisle. Oh, so Woodman's has that one-way aisle thing, which I think makes a lot of sense. I, I think more stores yeah. should do that while this is going on. So you're saying people exactly. are just wandering the other ways. Absolutely. They don't even see that. You know, it's all about them and whatever they're there for, unfortunately. So, okay, so what is your take from that, that we we need to have the government keep businesses closed then for the next six months or a year because people are stupid? Well, I don't think six months, but I think it needs to run its course at least till the end of the month. I mean, none of this opening any earlier. Okay, good enough. Thanks, Nicole. I appreciate it. I guess I, I mean, I see, here's the problem, and, and, it, and it's a serious one, if, you know, people say, well, it, it's the virus that decides. I don't know that there's anything that suggests that the number uh, that, that the virus is going to go away in two weeks or in six weeks. Or I mean, th- th- this is going to be with us. And so the question to me, it's always been one of managing risk. And that, and that's because if, if you think that, well, we're, we're going to wait till we get a vaccine. OK, well, that, that's a couple of years off. So you, you've got to try to manage risk, which is why I've all, I, I've said that I, I think. I guess I think people are, are in general tuned into that 
and most people are. And the people that aren't, well, the rest of us have to, to kind of wander away from them. If, if you see the, the person that wants to come up and, you know, grab you on the shoulder or something when you're standing there looking for greeting cards, you know, people need to, to you know, get other people to, to back off. Um, but but f- for the, the idea that, you know, well, we, we keep, we keep the state closed for another two weeks or, or whatever. I'm not sure what's going to be different then because, again, we're figuring out how to live with coronavirus. We're figuring out how to protect ourselves as best possible, and we're figuring out how to particularly protect those who are the most vulnerable, which is why I think, for example, the, the, you know, dealing with nursing homes and stuff, completely and totally different. It's going to be a brave new world out there. Um, and, and I don't know exactly what, what that's going to mean for people who, you know, have relatives that are in the nursing homes and stuff. But it, that, that's going to have to change because, you know, you've got a vulnerable population. Let's talk to Jill in Waukesha. Jill, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Um, sure. I, I have to agree with the last caller. Um, I own two small businesses. I'm I'm at one of them right now, rearranging everything so I can make a one-way traffic flow for when I can open. Um, I don't think we'd be ready if, if all of a sudden they said, oh, no, you can open tomorrow. And no one's going to be ready. I've had masks on order. I was told they'd arrive last week. I still don't have them. Um, there's a lot of – I'm a hairdresser as well. There's a lot of our products that we have not been able to get to safeguard our customers. So mm-hmm. I really believe that we need the next two weeks. And I don't believe, and I think, I do think too that what makes a lot of us nervous, those of us that have tried to be, stay at home and be responsible, do social distancing, wearing masks. Um, we watch too many people gather at the Capitol without masks, talking about their rights, which basically are infringing on my customers' rights. And that's what's keeping me closed longer than I need to be. It's because people have not been responsible. Well, uh, but 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 you you weren't you weren't there. I mean, you weren't interacting with the people who were, and, and you weren't interacting oh, with the, the people who were protesting. I see, it on TV. I see it on TV. I see. I saw the pictures of it. I saw yeah. friends of mine and customers of mine taking video of of it while they were there and um, having conversations with people. No masks on. That's, that's not responsible behavior right now. And like you said, we're trying to figure out what this virus means and how we can coexist with it because we're going to have to. But until um, we have a little bit better understanding of that and more, more rules as far as when we do open, and, you know, you're getting a lot of pushback, well, I'm not going to wear a mask. Well, you know, as a business owner, do I have the right to say you have to wear a mask in my business? I don't know that. Absolutely. I think well, sure. On, Absolutely. I think, I'm sure you do. Absolutely. Going, well, not really. I'm hearing that that people that Absolutely. are that, well, they, you know, I, I disagree with that, but I, I hope I do. Well, no, I think I, I don't think that's any question. I think you, it's kind of like no shoes, no shirt, no service. No, I, I think absolutely you have that right. Do you think there's going to be something, and I ask this question legitimately, that, you know, magically, okay, two weeks from now, two weeks from now, do you think it's going to be markedly different than it is today? I mean, our last caller was saying, oh, people are going down the wrong way at, at Woodman's Isles, and, you know, they're, they're not well, following the signs. So two weeks from now, are they suddenly going to well, become more... You know, I can't promise yeah. that. My opinion is that the more prepared and the more time we have to prepare, yes. I think 
you know, this whole thing of one-way walking through grocery stores is a pretty new concept. There's probably people there that don't even notice it yet, you know. Um, I'm thinking if we have, okay, you have to have one-way aisles at the grocery store. You have to wear a mask when you go out. I don't think that's asking that much. I mean, I okay, think thanks call. I, had- I get it. No, thank, thanks for calling, Joe. I mean, I... I, I mean, I guess my, my comment to you would be, if, first of all, if you are uncomfortable operating your, your business and allowing customers in, then you shouldn't do it. And, 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 and yes, I think you have every right to require a mask, and I, I, you know, and, and I think that that's, that's all fine. And, and you, you, I think people have to decide for themselves what their different comfort levels are. I mean, really, the, the problem I, I have is how far, if, if you accept my premise that, that COVID-19 is going to be with us for, for next year, next two years, you know, whatever, and it all becomes a question of managing it, at, at what point in time do we really think that there's going to be something magic that, that happens at the end, for example, at the end of the, the month? I mean, there's governors in some states that are already, you know, extending their stay-at-home orders through July, et, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, it's, I, I guess at some point in time the question becomes, you know, do we trust people to, to be smart? And I guess maybe it's just that are, are there people out there who behave in irresponsible fashions? Of course there are. But in general, based on my experience, I, I think most people are kind of tuned in into this, and the people that are behaving in an irresponsible fashion, well, they're behaving in an irresponsible fashion now, and if they end up getting sick, they're, 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 they're going to get sick because of what they're doing. But I, I don't know that that's a reason to stop everybody else and assume everybody else can't behave responsibly. Back with much more in just a couple of minutes. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The WTMJ 5-day forecast this afternoon, partly cloudy skies, windy and cold, maybe a stray flurry, a high temperature of only 41. For tonight, mainly clear, cold and frosty, 30 degrees lakeside, 25 degrees inland, freeze warning for all of southeastern Wisconsin. For Saturday, mostly sunny but still cool, a high 53. Sunday, cloudy with rain likely for Mother's Day, possibly mixed with a little bit of snow, especially northwest of Milwaukee, a high 45. For Monday, mostly sunny and cool, a high 50. Tuesday, mostly sunny and a high 50. I'm meteorologist Brian Isdansky with the Storm Team Forecast on WTMJ. In Madison right now, 42 degrees. In Green Bay, 41. Waukesha, 40. And in Milwaukee, 38. I'm Eric Bilstead, News Radio, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So what would you do? If you are a football fan and you're a fan of the Wisconsin Badgers, very much a lot of stuff up in the air right now. You know, I understand right now the proposal and the plan are everybody hopes that they can play college football. You know, big deal. College football games start, what, you know, late August, early September practice starts before that. There's very, very real questions about whether or not for the fall semester, kids are going to be allowed back onto campuses, and there's a number of other there's a number of colleges and universities across the country that are already exploring the idea of gee an entire semester without kids on the campus, and we'll we'll do online learning, etc. Well, if you're going to do that, I, I don't see how you can have football teams. How can you have athletics if you don't have kids on campus? On top of all that, you've got the whole issue of of the fans coming into the stands. I'm looking at, there was a story in the Madison paper two days ago. I'm looking at a picture now, and it's, and it's, it's showing a picture of Camp Randall um, 
last September absolutely packed. You know, and everybody on the bleachers and everybody crammed together and everybody doing the dances and things like that, having a great time. All right. But my question that I'm running through my mind is, given where we are in this pandemic, and even if we get businesses back open, you know, are are we going to feel comfortable with people piling into a football stadium three months from now and, and sitting all closed in together? Well, it's more than an ap- academic question, because if you are a Wisconsin Badger season ticket holder, the deadline for renewing your season tickets, for paying for them, um, it, it's Monday. And and what they're saying is school officials are saying, look, our our we're, we are planning like we are going to have all all the games. And, and here's here's the deal. If if you pay for it and games are not played, you will you will get a refund of the, for the games that aren't played. If you um, but now some one of the things that goes on with this, too, is that to get the tickets, a lot of times you also have to make a separate donation to the athletic department. And what the school is saying is that, all right, the donations to the athletic department, they're not prorated. So what that means is if, let's say, we cancel half the schedule, you know, you'll get a refund for the tickets, but you're going to be out the, the donation that you had to make. So if any games are played, we keep the donation. On top of that, there's the very real question of do people want to go are people going to be willing to go and sit at the games? And do you want to put the money in up front for the possibility, maybe even the likelihood, that these games aren't going to be played? Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So this, this is where this is really coming to a head. If you're a season ticket holder for the Badgers, you, you obviously hope that the games are going to be played. We, we all hope that. There's a reasonable chance, though, that maybe that's not going to be that's not going to happen. So, what do you do with the ticket renewals? Do you go ahead? Do you take your chance? Do you send in the money, figuring, well, I'm probably going to get some of it or all of it potentially back if the season ends up getting canceled. On the other hand, you know that that's money that you are now going to be giving to, in this case, you know, Wisconsin the, the football program. It's eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I was thinking about this because of course yesterday the NFL schedule came out and we were just running on our newscast interviews with, you know, people in Green Bay who were talking about the huge financial impact Packers games have for the, the community, and and boy, that that's that's true. I mean, a, a year without pack crowds at Lambeau Field and all the tourist money. I mean, that that's that's tens of millions. I think well over a hundred million dollars in, in lost revenue. It would be absolutely devastating. At the same time, I don't know that anybody is thinking right now that you're going to have seventy-five thousand fans at Lambeau Field. Or you know eighty five thousand fans at, at Camp Randall eight five five six one six one six twenty that's the accurate mortgage talk and text line. What is a fan to do? All right, the decision has to be made by Monday for Madison as to whether or not you want to renew your season tickets. I know the Packers have kicked it a little bit down the road. All right, if you're one of those season ticket holders, do you take a chance? Do you send your money in? Do you just say okay, I'm going to do this? Um, or do you say, okay, maybe this is the year that I take the pass on that? 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you do? How do you handle this, given where we are in society now? 
If you're on the line, please hold on. Back to discuss in just a moment. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if you do happen to be one of the season ticket holders, either for the the Badgers or for the Packers, you know, what, what are you doing with your renewals? How are you looking at this moving forward? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Southeastern Wisconsin open for business during these unprecedented times. It's more important than ever to support local businesses. Head to WTMJ.com right now. You'll find a We're Open link on the homepage. You'll see a list of businesses in your community where your family, friends, and neighbors are open for business. If you're a business owner, you can head to WTMJ.com to add your business as well. Open for business from WTMJ. To that point, the, the Packers announced their schedule yesterday. Now, typically... What would be happening is you would have the phones at hotels ringing off the hook by people, you know, making reservations for, you know, stays, some games on a Sunday or whatever. You want the hotel reservations, you know, all those different types of things. I'm sure some of that is going on, but this is a different time because there is huge uncertainty as to whether the games are, number one, going to be played, and number two, under what conditions are they going to be played? Are you going to have full stadiums? Well, I, is How likely is that really to, to happen? Um, are you going to have partially full stadiums? Are the games going to be played in front of you know empty stadiums? And if so, what does that do with tourism? Well, this becomes a huge issue because the people that have access to tickets – for example, if you're a Wisconsin Badger ticket holder, you, you've got to decide by Monday whether or not you're going to renew your season tickets. 855-616-1620. What, what do you do? Um, let's see. Jeff, pay for the tickets and hope for the best. Jeff, I buy the tickets in good faith, like I buy gift cards to restaurants because I support the Badgers, but I'm still employed and hopeful. If I wasn't, I would cut them out of my budget. Um, Jeff, I've got Packer tickets. I'm not sure if I should pay my Packers club seats $7,000 due June 1st because who knows if the games will happen. I got an email from the Packers saying you'll get credited in 2021 for any canceled or empty no-fan games, but still... I mean, I understand what they're saying is you've got to come up with the $7,000 downstroke, which is going to be difficult for a lot of people to do. So how do I think you handle this? Well, first of all, it, it, it depends on your financial situation. Obviously, if you're one of those folks for whom, I don't know, your, your personal situation is extremely uncertain, because you know maybe maybe you've been laid off or furloughed or maybe your business has been closed or maybe the nature of your business is such that you, you don't know what it's going to look like a month from now, two months from now, whatever. So this becomes an, an added expense and an expense that you just don't want to, a luxury that you don't want to go to. For people like that, I certainly understand you know putting it in their pocket. On the other hand, I mean, if, if you're a fan and you can afford it, my guess is that most people are going to go ahead and renew. I have a partial season ticket uh, to the Brewers, I mean, just a 20-game pack, although it really kind of kills me. I think five or six or seven of the games that I, I had would have already been played by now. And the, the chances, I, I don't want to be negative about this, but... The chances of Major League Baseball resuming games with 
fans this season in home stadiums like Miller Park, I think is is remote. You know, maybe they're going to figure out a way to do it, but I, I mean, I just don't see. I mean, we're already talking about how festivals are being canceled, and you've got uh, governors of some states, not Tony Evers yet, but you've got governors of some states saying, you know, we we just don't see any way that we're going to, you know, uh, allow large stadium events to occur in the next few months. So given where we are, is it possible that you can get baseball games going under some circumstances? Yeah, you probably can. Is it going to be like we knew about? I just don't see that happening. So, for example, what the Brewers ended up doing is the season ticket holders, they said, well, here's the deal. We will give you a refund um, as the games, as you lose the games. Alternatively, you know, we'll, we'll give you a credit plus 10% for, you know, next season or for other stuff. And that's that, that's the option that I'm taking. It's like, look, I, I, I love the tickets. I don't want to give them up. I'm in a financial position where I, I don't I, – I can afford to let the brewers keep that money for a little while. So, I mean, I'm not going to be asking for a refund. But at the same time, if I was in a different financial situation or it was a significant downstroke, like if you've got to come up with seven grand, for example, to, to send off – not knowing whether games are going to be played or not, that's a completely different situation. My guess is the vast majority of people who are fans are going to renew, but I wouldn't be surprised if there is some turnover, and I would certainly understand it if there was a degree of turnover. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Thanks for joining us. Um, again, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, this huge job losses. Um, April unemployment rate rose to 14.7%. That's the, 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 the highest rate that they had on record was 10.8%, and, and they've been keeping records since 1948. I mean, so that tells you how devastating the impact of coronavirus, and, and not just the government-ordered shutdowns, which clearly is contributing to that, but also just the fact that the, the market for some businesses has just kind of fallen off the map, which also tells me that it, it's it's going to be a while before this comes back. But it, it's staggering, 14.7 unemployment, um, or an unemployment rate that's every job that was created essentially over the last 10 to 12 years has now kind of disappeared now you hope a lot of those jobs are going to come back but it's just it's devastating and it is one of the reasons why i i I think that we we need to figure out a way to get people back to work get businesses open absolutely as soon as possible as soon as you can do it safely. But I think at this point in time now, the, the reality is we we got to get businesses open because we, we got to try to get those jobs back because the economic effect of the people who've lost their jobs, it's, it's just devastating, and that has health consequences too. So you have to have it balanced out. Now, interestingly, on a day where you get dramatically bad news as far as the job picture, uh, the Dow Jones Industrial up. Uh, 353 points and it's been a really strong week so you could say jeff what's going on why is the stock market up and i think the answer is because the stock market is a forward-looking indicator people think investors are optimistic i think they believe that a lot of stocks just were beaten down so much over the last couple months that there's still a lot of value that's there and also there's hope that maybe the u.s and china can work out some of their differences but the stock market up big today and it's going to 
unless the bottom just absolutely falls out, it's going to have a pretty good week, despite the fact that you've got relentlessly economic, bad economic news. On that, on that, to that extent, a kind of a local story. I, I, I applaud Waukesha for what they're doing. At the same time, I'm not sure that there's a worse time that they can do it. Now, I am a golfer. I love golf courses. I love playing golf, but there's this story of the Waukesha Public Golf Course, Wanaki, Wanaki, however you want to pronounce it, and it's been hemorrhaging money, and you will remember that the folks, the powers that be, were looking at closing this, and you had a lot of people protested because you had a lot of people that played the golf course, and they didn't want to see it, it go away, and I appreciate all that. Well, in any event, what they've done, they agreed to keep it open for one more year, and they've just announced that they are going to put the golf course up for sale. And they're going to, uh, they're asking like one and a half million dollars, I think, for the property. It's going to be on sale till June 30th. And anybody who buys it will have to agree to keep it as a golf course for the next four years. So that, that's a way of trying to discourage, I, I guess, speculators, somebody who comes in and says, okay, we're going to turn this into condos, which a lot of people think is, is the best use for that land. And so a lot of people are optimistic. At the same time, I, look, I, I don't want to throw you know a, a bucket of cold water on this deal, though. But I'm trying to imagine if there is a poss- if there is possibly a worse time in, in in local economic history to try to market a golf course. And, and look, you could talk to lots of golf course operators that are out there. They will tell you that this is a tough time for golf courses. You know, golf courses nationwide were overbuilt. You've got a lot of golf courses that have been closing. Here you have a golf course that has been struggling. And so now they're going to try to come up with somebody, you know, who will step forward and who will buy it and continue to operate it as a golf course. And and if they can find somebody to to do that, that, that's great. If they can't, the deal is that um, what they're going to end up doing is that they're going to put it, they can't find an offer for somebody to run it as a golf course. They're going to put it up for bids, um, again, for what they call the, the best use. Now, I I understand that there's people who think, oh, we're, we're going to be able to make this work and people are going to play and all those types of things. And I really hope that that's the case because I know there's a lot of people who are passionate about having that golf course remain. And I know that a lot of people have played it this year. The problem, of course, is it's one thing for people to play it occasionally. It's another thing for the requirement that you be able to operate it and run it as an ongoing business. But in any event, I think the folks in Waukesha especially Waukesha government, I think they've gone above and beyond in trying to find alternatives. So if you've got a bunch of money that's uh, sitting around and you've always wanted to run a golf course, well, um, it's it's on the market, listed at $1.52 million, about $10,000 per acre. You can run the golf course. You can operate the golf course. All you got to do is write the check. Again, if there's a worse time to try to find a buyer for a golf course. I, I don't know when that time would be, but for all the people who want to play golf out there, I hope they're able to come up with somebody with really deep pockets who wants to own a golf course and is willing to take the risk. Time will tell. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, one of the, the interesting things over the last couple months has been despite the fact that we have been obsessed 
with with health issues and with the impact of coronavirus and keeping people safe and trying to keep people healthy is at the same time we've been talking about that actually you've had doctors and hospitals that have been well ignoring is the is the word i mean just putting off all sorts of non-coronavirus related treatments uh, the, and the idea at the beginning, and look, I understand when this all started, the concern was that you're going to have this enormous influx of people with COVID-19 and everybody's going to be contagious and everybody's going to need to be hospitalized and then they're going to need respirators and all these ventilators and all these different types of things. And, and thankfully, and let's just talk about Wisconsin, although it's pretty much true over most of the country, that did not happen. We had all this space that was set aside in hospitals. We're, we're not going to do elective procedures anymore. And we're going to actually lay off and furlough nurses and doctors and staff because we're going to gear up for this surge in coronavirus cases, which thankfully, and I do mean thankfully, it, it, it hasn't happened. But as a result of that, you had emergency, you had um, operating rooms and procedure rooms. They were just, they, they were cleared out or they were set aside for, okay, we'll use this space when we get this wave of COVID-19 patients. Now, if, if you work in like the respiratory areas or the emergency rooms and stuff, it's overwhelming. But most of the other hospitals are empty. I know several doctors who have been essentially laid off over the course of the last couple months because they, you know, they don't do the emergency sort of stuff. They don't work with the respiratory infections. They, they do knee replacements or you know, they, they do other sorts of, of things. And for people who have been scheduled for, I mean, regular regular sorts of treatments, that's essentially, it's gone by the wayside. We've really shut down the medical system to only the, the emergency types of situations. And interestingly, what they're finding, at least nationwide, is that the, the non-COVID-19 patients, they're, they're wondering where all the heart attacks and where all the strokes have gone because the emergency rooms aren't aren't being overwhelmed as a general rule by those type of patients, in part, I think, because people are, are reluctant to come in because they, they don't want to, I don't know, they, they don't want to perhaps expose themselves to you know the, the virus or somebody that might have had the virus. So the idea is, I'm going to stay away from these clinics. I'm going to stay away from the hospitals, even though I'm scheduled to get my regular treatment, if I can get my regular treatment. Well, what's happening now is hospitals who've taken a huge, huge financial hit because, uh, l- let's face it, I mean, hospitals, even the not-for-profit ones, they, they make money through administering procedures. And the, the idea is if you're going to make money, a lot of it's the elective procedures. It's the hip replacements. It's the knee replacements. It's the shoulder replacements. It's the different surgeries. And they just haven't been doing that. Well, now the story is that a number of the big area hospitals are going to slowly, with the emphasis on slowly, begin doing elective procedures again. At Freighter, they're going to give priority to patients who need immediate care, and they're also starting to gradually see patients in clinics. Ascension says it's going to begin a phased and measured resumption of services for some non-urgent procedures. Um, Pro Healthcare says they're going to resume elective procedures on Wednesday, but uh, again, they're they're not sure how many they're going to start to do. Our number, eight, and uh, let's see, at Aurora, they're they're going to start doing this again, 
but again, they're going to stagger patients. Patients are going to be checked in, check in virtually when they're 30 minutes away. They're going to ask to remain in their cars until they receive a text telling them to come in. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm I'm fascinated again with with perspective, and again over the last two months, it's been all COVID nineteen all the time, and and that has been the priority, making sure people who get it, who have it, get treatment, making sure that people who get the treatment, you know, don't don't die, you know, all those types of things, and and that's been that has been where we have focused. At the same time. For other people that have, again, the, the non-immediate life-threatening emergencies, the heart attacks and things like that, you know, people have been on a back burner. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here is my question that I would like to discuss with you. Have you had medical procedures, either you or maybe somebody close to you, that had to get put on hold as a result of, Again, our, our obsession, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but our obsession and our, our singular focus over the last couple months with dealing with, with COVID-19. Have you had procedures, routine or otherwise, put off, and how much of a hardship has that been to you? And I ask this question because I'm wondering if we can learn something moving forward. Can we pretty much shut down most of the medical system in in anticipation of dealing with what might happen with again in this case the the virus i mean what has been the impact on people who are non covid-19 patients 8556161620 that is the acunet mortgage talk and text line and, and like i say i know a number of people who work in the healthcare field who have essentially been furloughed laid off whatever because the things they do the hospitals the medical facilities aren't doing right now and it's not to say that the patients, I, I don't know, don't don't need treatment. It's just that hasn't been where the priority is. I also know people who've had various procedures that have been scheduled that have just been put on hold, maybe in, indefinitely. And I understand maybe if you're due to have rotator cuff surgery or you're in intense pain because you know you need a knee replacement or a hip replacement, is it life threatening? Well, no, it's perhaps not life threatening, but at the same time. You know, the reason you're having it is because there is a medical reason for it. 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What has been the effect on your other medical procedures as a result of our, our focus pretty much on a laser-like basis on COVID-19? 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gru is back at the station lining up the calls. Let me take a quick break. We'll be back to discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. See, this is again. It's one of the stories that I think is incredibly undercovered. We 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 focused on our response to COVID nineteen, and I understand that. But at the same time, hospitals have essentially 
shut down with the exception of the the most emergent care care needs for for people and and as a result you have everybody whose health care needs have been put to the side and i don't know we're going to ever going to know exactly what the cost of that is jeff my five-year-old was scheduled to get a hearing aid she was rescheduled tentatively for july i hope we get in now i understand it's not an emergency threatening somebody's life but it certainly impacts her daily life and her ability to learn at a crucial development um, time. Um, Jeff, I was supposed to have minor a minor prostate procedure. It's been put on hold. It might be minor for other people, but it's causing me all sorts of serious uh, complications. Jeff, I have a friend who had prostate cancer surgery put on hold indefinitely. <laughs> I mean, okay, and, and I understand um, for example, prostate cancer is one of the, the one of the good things about it is a very slow growing type of cancer. But at the same time, I'm imagining if you had that diagnosis, hey, you've got prostate cancer, we've got you scheduled for surgery, but okay, we we're not going to be able to do this, and we don't know when we're going to do it. And I don't know how people would react to that. Douglas in Milwaukee, Douglas, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. What's up? What do you think? Um, I, I, my bowel, um, what happened is I had colon surgery. They removed a foot of my small intestine, large intestine, and that has, uh, scar tissue now. And it's been over a year. They can't figure it out. And I was supposed to see the doctor May 11th to try to figure it out. But what happened, I had so much pain. I went into the emergency room and said, my nurse friend said, you're supposed to do a CT scan. Can someone do this, please? Because I guess GI doctors won't do that. They only do from the belly button down. So this has been ongoing for months. So the emergency room did it and went, oh, my God, you're so impacted. So they told me to take over the counter diarrhea medicine, and the majority of it will not work. There's only one brand that's been somewhat working. Okay. So, they so the bottom me, line no is you food. haven't been able to see your doctor. You you, you haven't yep. been able to get in and, and get. And thanks for calling. I appreciate that. See that and seeing that those are the type of frustrations. And I understand. You know he's giving us all the details of it. And it's if you're going through that, it's kind of like look, I I, I want to get in and get this taken care of. And is it necessarily life threatening? Well, it, it's not life threatening, but it's certainly life altering. And again, I understand why the hospitals. I, why they've done what they've done and, and what they, they did, and you wanted to prepare for the, the surge. But at the same time, as we move forward, do we need to figure out a way that we can, again, address concerns with virus issues, which you certainly want to do, but at the same time not tell all these other people who are, are in line for different procedures, which while maybe not life-threatening, are still, again, important to quality-of-life issues. Heidi in Muskego. Heidi, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi there. Hi, Heidi. Um, yeah, I think this is totally ridiculous. I have been in extreme pain since December. I had a, a total knee replacement and, as a result, um, had bulging discs. I had a couple of spinal injections, and my last one was scheduled, and they called me like two days before the appointment and canceled it right as everything was starting. And my doctor even said, it's just, this is just a bureaucracy. It's ridiculous. He was even upset. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I have, I have some doctor friends who've been put on the shelf for a couple months um, and, and are very, very frustrated because they've got, again, because 
if, if, okay, maybe if you, for example, use the hip replacement, okay, maybe it's not the end of the world if you get your hip replacement, like, rescheduled, but at the same time, you're in pain. That's why you're having the hip replacement. And I know a lot of doctors who are frustrated that they haven't been able to do those procedures. It's also, it's their livelihood, too. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't even sit in a yeah. chair. <laughs> no, no. Thank no, you. Th- th- thanks for call. No, I, I again, and this is, I mean, th- these are these are like real world type of, of situations, and I, we've, and I'm, I'm not saying that we've gone overboard on this, but at the same time, I, I think moving forward, you have to have at least some idea as to what we are going to do and how we're going to kind of handle this, because if this if the coronavirus thing continues to go on can we can we shut down medical facilities and tell people who need necessary procedures that you're not going to be able to get it for you know who knows how long let's see jeff my husband had a problem with intestinal bleeding i called in and rather than seeing him the advice was to stop the aspirin he was on to prevent another stroke rather than seeing where the problem was originating we were supposed to take a chance on him stroking out risk versus benefit not working in this case uh, jeff my husband had kidney cancer and had a follow-up scan canceled our daughter needs care related to a serious medical event last summer one of her appointments for a treatment was canceled this is all so annoying thanks for talking about this well it it yeah, I mean, and and of course the frustration that I know a lot of medical professionals have is they're they're, they're not working, they're not allowed to perform these procedures. Like I say, I have uh, this is National Nurses Week. You know, there were a ton of nurses who were laid off over the course of the last couple months. Why were they laid off? Because well, they, they don't work in the ICU. You know, they 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 work all right in in areas where they're they're doing different procedures, and none of those procedures are are being you know, scheduled anymore. And that's part of the problem that's there. Jeff, my friend hurt his shoulder in February. Rotator cuff surgery put off indefinitely. Yeah. Jeff, my RN wife is glad she she switched to ICU last year. Yes, she faced initial challenges with COVID patients, but at least she stayed on the work schedule, which is different than what happened with a lot of her friends. Jeff, my friend was to have heart surgery March 18th in Fond du Lac. That got postponed because it was considered elective, even though she was at high risk of a stroke. She just had the surgery Wednesday all during the wait, she was absolutely terrified. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to imagine if if somebody close to me was in that sort of situation, saying, "Okay, well, you you need heart surgery. It's not. We, we don't think that you're going to die immediately if you don't have it. But but you need it, and you're at a higher risk for this or that or the other thing. But we can't do it because we've got to save certain space in the event we're inundated with this other thing that, as it turns out, doesn't happen." And that I got to imagine what the frustration of that is, Jeff. I think it's too early to know the full effect of the stoppage of cancer and cardiac screenings. How many people could have had a simple cardiac stent placement, but the delay will now cause them to need bypass surgery? How many people could have had their cancer caught in stage two, but they will now need more extensive treatment because their undetected cancer has progressed? Um, yeah. Um, that those are all the, the factors that are out there. Now, thankfully, the hospitals are, are starting to get back a little bit more to normal. But I guess I, I think that when we take a step back and we look at what we've done over the last couple months, 
And there's going to be times to do that. And this isn't about pointing fingers or whatever. I understand we're, we're making the best decisions we possibly can. But moving forward and recognizing that COVID-19 is going to be with us for a while and that there may very well be some other, the, the phrase they use is black swan, the, the, some un, unexpected virus that hits, knowing that there might be something like this that happens again. I guess my question is, can we learn from this experience and figure out maybe we, we, need, to, we need to do better? We need to say, okay, we, we can't shut down our entire health care system aside from emergencies, absolute life-threatening emergencies, uh, to deal with the black swan. Maybe we got to figure out a better way to do it. And also, I mean, I think the one thing that we could all agree on is the fact that we, we, we can't allow hospitals to come up short on the gowns and the masks and things like that. That's, that's just got to be standard operating procedure moving on that, you know, we're, we're prepared to deal with emergency situations. But for those of you who've had to put medical procedures on hold or have people close to you that have had them on hold, the hospitals are starting to gear up again, and that is very good news. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. And this is Jeff Wagner. Here's an email to me. Jeff, I've been trying to get a lung issue diagnosed for the last four months. Two appointments with pulmonologists have been canceled. One of those was moved to a telephone-only appointment in which he just ordered a test. The tests, though, aren't scheduled until May 19th. I'm concerned those will get canceled and moved to July or August. My issue is getting worse, not better. I would rather get diagnosed and an appropriate fix in place than have it continue to get worse. Yeah, that's, I, I think, where you know a lot of us are. You know, For me, I, I go in every six months for some just routine checkup and blood work, and, and I'm a little bit overdue, not long overdue, but it's... It's, it's it's been like okay there th- th- this is the last thing i mean for like the really routine stuff and just the checkups how many people are just foregoing that and by the way i'm not even getting started on the dentists how many of you have given up dental work or had it delayed because you know dentists aren't uh, operating except in an emergency sort of procedures i i just moving forward i think we have to be smarter as how we figure this out and balance out the legitimate need to take care of people who are exposed to the viruses at the same time, not saying to everybody else, hey, got that lung problem, pal? Well, just just tough it out. All right, Mother's Day is Sunday. When we come back, a special Mother's Day-related segment, and then, of course, Pop Culture Corner. It's going to be fun this week. Stick around. All that's coming up in the 2 o'clock hour of the show. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. Well, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at JeffWagner620. Um, it's sort of like a before and an after thing. Earlier today, I, I posted a picture of uh, me sitting at my desk where I'm doing the radio show from now. That's the That's the after. Um, the broadcast, this is what it looks like, you know, in May of 2020. And I, by the way, if you click, if you happen to follow that and you click on the picture, there is kind of an Easter egg. Uh, the, the person that really runs the Wagner household, if you click on the picture, is in the full picture that doesn't quite come through on what we have posted on Twitter. But you click on that. So that, that, that's the after. That's what we look like today. That's what I look like today. Um, Sunday is, of course, Mother's Day. And last night, because somebody had asked for a, a picture of me with my mom when I was a kid, I was looking through the, these 
old photos, and it really was kind of a walk down memory lane. And so I um, I found one of those, and I actually I posted that as well. So it's, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. There's a picture of me with my my mom, and uh, you can click on it. There's an Easter egg there, and you can see it's uh, it's it's a number of years ago. <laughs> there's no there, there's there's no question about that. And that's that's what I looked like then, and this is what I, I look like now. But um, it was interesting because I, I was just looking at the pictures of my mom from from over the years. Um, I, many of you might have known my mom, and I, I know I, I always my mom ran a. She was the office manager at a, at a at a dental office in the North Shore, and just knew all sorts of people. And my I, every little boy loves their their mom, and I'm I'm certainly no exception to that. And I I always it's, it's always a great pleasure to me to run into people who will say, "Well, I just knew your mom, and she was just so delightful," and things like that. You just I never get tired of hearing that because I, I do think that. Um, many of the many of the good and worthwhile attributes that I, I have came from my mom. Where the all the bad stuff, I, I don't know where I got that, but the, the good stuff, you know, came from my mom. And she passed away. It'll be ten years ago this fall. And it's one of those things that there's not there's not a day that goes by that I I don't miss her. That's just the honest to goodness truth. And it's one of the reasons why I just always say to to people, you know, life is short and and. You just you, you never think those days are going to come, and, and the reality is that that it happens, and it's part of going, growing older, and it's part of life that that people pass away, and um, and you miss them, and, and that's that's just been the case. My mom, like I say, has been gone for for ten years now, but I have all these these vivid memories, and they all came flooding back as I'm looking through the, these photographs of of me as a small child yesterday and then me as a teenager and then you know pictures of more of an adult and my, my mom's in the background on, on all of those and it really kind of hit home and what I, I thought I, I wanted to do Mother's Day is his Sunday and I wanted to devote a segment or two on the two o'clock hour of the program today I wanted to devote it to moms and and here here is is my question. I guess rather than simply say, you know, give, give a shout out to your mom, which, which is which is fine. My, my question is, what is what is your most vivid recollection of, of your mom? Because when you know, I we you know we, we think about. I, I don't know. Is is it when you were a kid? Is it when you were a teenager? Is it when you were an adult? Is it if you're fortunate enough to, you know, maybe be a middle-aged guy or gal and your mom is still with us? Is, is it currently? But I just in, in recognition and acknowledgement that it's, that it's Mother's Day, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, your most vivid recollection of, of your mom. Share it with us. I would love to hear it. Everybody else would love to hear it, too. Your most vivid recollection, that thing that comes to mind when you think about that woman that brought you into this world. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And maybe it's a funny story. You know, maybe it's a serious story. Maybe it's that, hey, you were a really low point in your life and mom, mom was the one that you turned to. Your most vivid recollection of mom, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gru is lining up the calls. We're back to discuss in just a moment. It's uh, our Mom's Day tribute on the Wagner program. Stick around. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 
855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Sorry, I, I posted a couple of these pictures. I'm getting all these responses on our text line going, is that a big boy statue that you have up on your desk? Yeah, it's a big boy statue that I have up on my desk. I've got big boy bobbleheads all over the house. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your, uh, your, your recognition of your mom. You're the thing that you most, you're, you're the image that comes to mind. Let's start with Sharon in West Bend. Sharon, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. What a nice topic, Hi, considering. Um, listen, my mother, who also passed away 10 years ago, actually last month, um, she was such a positive person. We always said that the glass was not half full for her. It was overflowing. One word she never used was goodbye. She always said, toodaloo. So <laughs> when you talk to her, she'd say, toodaloo. And I'd be like, who says that? But so sometimes we will um, joke at our house and I'll say, toodaloo. And our son will say, okay, Grammy, you know. So it was just good. You know, it was just a, a done era. But so I ended her eulogy, actually, and said that it was never goodbye with her. It was always toodaloo. So, yeah. Oh, that's that's it. thanks for the call. No, it is sweet. And it, again, and that, that's it's funny. It's, it's, it's things... It is things like that that you just remember. Linda in Red yep. Granite. Linda, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. I, I just remember my mom taking all, me and all my friends to the football games in junior high school and always with a smile, never said no, just always a happy lady. Yeah, yeah, and and even and even even if mom was thinking in the back of her mind, oh, the last thing I want to do is schlep all these kids to this game or whatever, you would have never known that, mom. It's just it's it's what mom ended up doing, right? That's this uh, that's what you you do for kids. You got it. Always with a smile. Yeah, that's no. Th- thanks for the call. I appreciate it. That's um, yeah, you know that that's I you know it, it's funny. I'm sure. When I, when I think back on on my mom, I it's it's the same sort of thing. Just um, I, I'm, and I'm sure I'm sure there were times that I was a royal pain in the you know what. But I, I just I I don't I don't remember that. I mean I just I just always remember all the the good stuff that's there. Sandy and Stevens Point. Sandy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello, Jeff. How you doing? I am well, thank you. Memories of mom. Well, my mom, thankfully, just turned 85 on May 6th, so I'm lucky, lucky enough oh. to still have her. Um, Outstanding. But my, my most, the first thing that came to my mind, I didn't try to overthink this, is my mom is a great cook. And so coming home from school when I was a kid and there was always something cooking in the oven or baking in the oven, and she always watched Julia Child on TV <laughs> and, would hand, and would hand write her recipes. She'd sit in front of the TV and handwrite the recipes. Wow! <laughs> wow! That that is, that is so. Day, well, no, that that no. Thank, thanks for call. That is so very cool. You talk about Julia Child. The last time I was in D.C., I one of the Smithsonian museums. They had they had the set from her TV show that was was there, and I remember seeing that. But what what a great story. Okay, um, let me give Gru a chance to line up a couple more calls. Jeff, my mom was the neighborhood mom. Our house, yard, and pool were always open to the many kids in our neighborhood. Snacks and popsicles provided, too. She was the kindest lady. She died a year ago today. I miss her. 
so much. Jeff, I'll always remember and admire my mom for being able to put together great meals despite a tight budget, old worn-out cookware, a finicky non-level oven and stove with not all the burners working, plus my dad insisting that his food be overcooked to death. Don't know how she managed but she always did. Memory of mom. When I drove home from Whitewater in the winter and I didn't have any heat in my car, when I got home, mom sat on my feet because they were so frozen. She never told us that she loved us, but the things that she did showed us that. Um, Jeff, my mom grew up with Bob Dylan in Hibbing, Minnesota. She lived to share memories of their family spending time together, and I always got such a kick out of looking at old photo albums of them, and I just love passing along those stories to friends and families still to this date. Um, my mom passed away, but she's never going to be forgotten. Heather in West Bend says, Jeff, my mom was fiercely creative. She was a graphic artist who could also draw, arrange flowers, and put together anything you asked her to. I'm glad I got her creative gene. Mom passed away a year and a half ago from multiple sclerosis. I love and I miss her. Um, Yeah. Jeff, my memory of my mom is that she was always there, and I think that sums up how I feel about her devotion to us kids. No matter what, she was always there for us. Jeff, uh, my memory is my mom marching with Father Grappi. Now, of course, that's he, he was, for people who might not understand that reference, this was back in the 60s, and Father Grappi was a Catholic priest who um, was very, very involved in the civil rights movement and, and led marches and things like that. Um, how cool is that? Jeff, my mom was a fourth-grade teacher. I had access to the teacher's edition school book with all the answers. I traded answers for candy for all the right answers. Um, Jeff, I didn't know my mom could climb a tree until she was in her 50s. She was in our front yard, and a woodchuck started running towards her, and she went up that tree. Jeff, my... Um, my mom passed away April 21st at the age of 82. She will be missed. Yeah, that's that's it. If you're still fortunate enough to have your mom, treasure her. Let's talk to Ann in Wauwatosa. Ann, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. Memories of mom. My One of my most special memories of my mom was when I was an eighth grader. She took me to see the Beatles perform at Comiskey Ballpark in Chicago. And wow. it was so special. And, of course, all the screaming, you couldn't hear the concert. <laughs> and she did end up breaking out in hives. But um, I really wanted to pay her back later on in life. I took her to see Pavarotti when he was in Milwaukee. And it was <laughs> just, it was the best. Outstanding. That, thank you for the call. That, that That's so great. I, I think... I actually think you probably got the better end of, of that deal because my my guess is going to see the, the Beatles, and that would have been like 63, 64, 65, whenever, 64, 65, 66, uh, in, in that range with a stadium full of screaming teenagers. I would expect that Pavarotti was a little bit more of a subdued experience there. Uh, Dan in Janesville. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Uh, I, I enjoy your show. Uh, anyway, I grew up in a family of nine with seven kids, uh, one car. Early 70s, I was a high school and then a collegiate distance runner. So after work in the summer and it cooled down a little bit, I'd go out for my, my daily workout, my daily long run. And my mother would, uh, unbeknownst to me, she would sneak out after me and tail me in the family station wagon <laughs> and just, to keep, just to keep an eye on me. And uh, it 
she she's been gone four years, but never forgotten. She's right with us, uh, and uh, yeah, she she was a hoot and uh, and a yeah. iron lady too. But uh, yeah, mothers are awesome. So thanks for showing. I enjoy the- your content. Yeah. Thank thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's that's it. It's it's the things that you find out that you had you had no I'm sure in his case you had, you had no idea that mom was following him on like three or four mile runs or or whatever. Um let's talk to Richard in Milwaukee. Richard, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Richard. Um my uh mother um uh, had her 80th birthday. She's passed. Uh, she had her 80th birthday on a fateful day in American history, uh, 9-1-1. That was oh, her wow. 80th birthday. And um, wow. she had Alzheimer's at the time. We never told her about it. And she passed a couple of months after that. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm glad we didn't. She didn't need to know that. But yeah. my, she was a very responsible and very kind mother. Um one of my, however, one of my most vivid memories of her is when she was doing something that made her happy rather than doing something for the family. I have this right. memory of her all dressed up to go out socially with my father for the evening and right. you know, really well-dressed, and she looked back at us, and she looked back at me, and she was smiling. And it's just she, I saw her at that point as someone who just wasn't there to help us out, but doing something that she liked to do. And she was just glowing yeah. and radiant, and I'll always remember that memory of her. Thanks for the call, Richard. Yeah, mom, mom, mom had her own life as well. How, how cool is that? I, if, if you were at our, our Christmas show last year, I actually incorporated this experience. It's one of I, – I, I have just so many memories of my mom, but, it, but it's one that just – it's kind of legendary in the Wagner family, and I incorporated a version of the story into my – Wagner's Christmas Rules of Life. It's it's a true story. My mom is a very prim and proper lady. You would, you you would never use bad words in front. At least I wouldn't use bad words in front of of, of my mom. And it was we were it was Christmas and it was Christmas Eve and people are opening up the packages. And for some reason, my mom had gone out and she had bought she had purchased these these joke fortune cookies that you know because we always would give each other kind of like funny sort of gifts and she purchased these joke fortune cookies and she my brother's a few years younger than me i'm, I'm as he will say i'm his significantly older brother and she she gives them to, to my brother and he opens up a fortune cookie and he starts to, to read it and then he just stops dead and mom is like well no go ahead go ahead and read it well what mom hadn't realized that she had purchased x-rated fortune cookies I mean, really X-rated fortune cookies. And my brother looks at him, going, "Oh, read it." And he says, "I can't read this." And he passes it to me, and I, I couldn't read it either. I mean, it, it's like, "Oh my goodness gracious!" I'm not saying I'm not reading this fortune in front of my mother, and she's kind of like getting a little bit frustrated. So, what what's going on here? Come on, read read these. And so I. I, I end up handing it over to her, and I just remember watching her just turn bright red. And she's like, "Okay, what what have I given my children here?" But it, it's some of those, those those fun stories that you just absolutely remember. Marlis in Waukesha, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm like memories you, Jeff. I have many wonderful memories of my mom. But one of the most fun things we did was it was a girls' weekend only to Vegas for her 90th birthday, daughters and granddaughters. And she hadn't been there for many, many years and just had a great time. 
once she got used to the fact that she didn't pull the handle for the slot machine and she didn't actually get money out once she won. And right, you, so you had, she you had pushed the button. She was yeah. all at 90 years old. Yeah, well, that's that's tremendous. Thanks for the call. It, you know, it, it's funny. My, I, I got my gambling gene from my mother. My, there, there's no question. But my mother used to love the slot machines, and and my mother, when she was alive, she would she would go up to uh, the the Indian Casino in Green Bay. Um, uh, it's not Ho Chunk. It's Oneida. She would go up. She would go up there, and she she would love. You know, she would she would take a bus from Glendale, and there was like this bingo bus that would go up, and she'd play bingo, and then she'd come back down. And I I went with her once or twice. I also have memories. I my mom was a bridge player, and I learned how to play bridge. So as as, as an adult, so I could play in these like bridge leagues with her, and I thought it would kind of bring us closer together. I'm, I'm not sure it actually did because. We'd play bridge. My mom would go, "Why did you bid that?" and all. And so it would also by the by the end of the evening, we'd be kind of like you know, gritting our teeth at each other, going, "Why did you play that?" and "Why did you play that?" But it's all those things. In any event, Mother's Day on Sunday. If your mom is still with us, tr- trust me, life is short. Treasure that time. I understand we live in a world of social distancing. Be responsible, be respectful, but make sure your mom knows how important she is to you. This is Jeff Wagner.